0: or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of t for c can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, cause it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Stephen Kotler. As you probably know, Stephen, one of the bigger challenges that's facing college students and recent grads today is this feeling of overwhelm. They're flooded. They're inundated with 24-7 information. Their stress is high. Their anxiety is high, and they're stuck. And so many of them can't make a decision about what they want to do when they graduate. They don't want to pick a lane. And in The Art of Impossible, you quote the opening lines of the 2002 film Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And I'll quote here. When you're young, your potential is infinite. You might do anything, really. You might be Einstein. You might be DiMaggio. Then you get to an age when what you might be gives way to what you have been. You weren't Einstein. You weren't anything. That's a bad moment. So how can we help our young listeners become their own version of Einstein or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or Kamala Harris or Oprah Winfrey or Melinda Gates?
1: It's a great question. There's two answers that are worth giving. The first is and they're both things I talk about in The Art of Impossible. And the first, I, wanna, I don't want to talk about my work. I want to start with, I talk about my friend David Epstein's work in The Art of Impossible. He wrote the book Range. And range is an argument not for early specialization, but it's an argument for being a generalist and searching for match quality. Match quality is a term, I think Adam Grant actually may have coined it the first time. I'm not 100% certain where. there's an economics term that says there's a very tight fit. Between who you are, your values, your strengths, and the work you do in the world. And it's useful if you're interested in big performance. Like that, having that kind of type fit. So a lot of people want to rush into it. What the research shows, what David's work in Rain shows, some my work shows is no, go a lot, go a little slower. And in fact, I lay out a process, and in fact, we can give this to your readers. I don't even have to go to the book because We took this portion of the book and put it someplace else because so many people found it useful. But I would lay out what I call the passion recipe. What people don't... I'm really sorry? Lay out the what? Lay out something called passion recipe. Let me actually back up. If you're interested in peak human performance, you mentioned earlier that these four categories of skill sets, motivation, learning, creativity, and flow. The way to think... This is basically... We are all, when I talk about peak performance, I'm saying nothing more or less than getting our biology to work for us rather than against us. That biology, especially if you're on the cognitive performance side, right? We're not talking about athletics, we're not talking about sports right now, but on cognitive peak performance, when we talk about our biology, it's four sets of skills. There is a bunch of skills that fall under the heading of motivation, and we're going to come back to that in a second bunch of skills under the heading, learning, creativity, and finally flow, right? Flow is sort of the optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and we perform our best. And the way to think about this quartet of skills or skill sets is in any, when you're faced with any challenge, right? Motivation gets you into the game. Learning allows you to continue to play. Creativity is how you steer. And this is really true if you're going after high, hard, kind of impossible goals. I don't know. I know where I am. I know where I want to go, but I have no idea how to get there, right? We need creativity to steer. And flow, that being in the moment, zone moment of rapt attention and total absorption Get so focused on what we're doing that everything else just disappears and all of our abilities both mental and physical tend to go through the roof we could talk more about what that means later flow is how we boost boosted results kind of beyond all reasonable expectation okay so we've said all that motivation is where the hunt for big performance starts and the research is really clear on this it says look if you want motivation Want to get in the game? Start. You got to start with extrinsic motivation. You actually have to start by earning a living a little bit. This is Maslow's work. This is other people's work. The basic idea is Daniel Kahneman worked on this. We need to make enough money so we can pay our bills and have a tiny little bit left over for discretionary thought. Right? Don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a millionaire. But if you are food insecure, if you don't know how to pay your rent, if you don't know how to feed your kids, there's too much fear in your system. It's re- you possibly can overcome it and still perform at your best. But as a general rule, most of us can't. And on the day-to-day basis, most of us can't. So you really sort of like solve that. Solve that first. And then you want to turn your attention to motivation. And this is sort of the other half of the answer to your question. Once you've sort of taken care of basic needs, right? That's extrinsic motivation. Things will work hard in the world to get money, sex, bank, right? In this case, we're talking about money. Once that's taken care of, if you want to increase performance or productivity or motivation... We actually have to turn to intrinsic motivators, stuff that's internal to us ourselves that drive us. There are lots of intrinsic motivators, but there's a big five. Curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, and mastery. And what people don't realize is they're all linked. Curiosity is our foundational. It's the most basic motivator there is. And what's the big deal with intrinsic motivators? I mean, there's a lot of them, but your brain is a giant energy hog. It uses 25% of your energy when you're at rest. So you're not even doing any work. 25% of your energy. The minute you try to do something hard, like pay attention to a lecture that's boring, right? College was really hard for me because I don't like being lectured to, And I feel like sitting in lectures was really, really difficult for me. That's hard work for me personally and requires a lot of focus. When we are curious about something, what do we get for free? We get focus for free. Oh, this is so cool. I'm so into this. You're not working hard to pay attention to it. It's happening automatically, right? Now, curiosity is designed, we built into passion. What does that mean? It means that people are all hunting for, oh, I want my passion. I want my purpose. Okay. It's a slow process, first of all. And curiosity, what we mean by passion, well, passion actually is neurobiologically. It's the intersection of multiple curiosities. The way to think, and curiosity, by the way, this is where people go wrong, is passion is cultivated by curiosity. Curiosity is not a big deal. I'm talking about, when I say curiosity, I mean like whatever it is, it's neat enough to you that if you had like, if I could stop time and give you a free weekend worth of time, you would read a couple books, Attend a lecture, maybe. Have a couple conversations with some experts. Ask some questions. Just enough curiosity. Spend two or three days on the subject, right? That's all we're talking about. Passion is the intersection of multiple curiosities. Figure out where three or four or five of your curiosities intersect and play there and learn there and grow there. That's how we grow passion. It's nothing fancier than that. It's nothing more or less. We also hear a lot of younger people today talk about wanting purpose. And what's interesting is... I think most of the people who talk about wanting purpose want it for altruistic reasons. They want to do good in the world. From a peak performance standpoint, passion and purpose are really, really actually selfish. Sound altruistic, they're really selfish. And let's, let's put a little meat around that. Curiosity is a little bit of the neurochemical dopamine and a little bit of the neurochemical norepinephrine. That's essentially the cocktail that makes curiosity. Passion is a lot of the neurochemical dopamine. A lot of endorphins or a lot of norepinephrine, a lot more. Those are both performance enhancing, feel good neurochemicals. They feel great, but they also amplify focus to amp- increase our ability to find connections between ideas and a bunch of other things in the brain. They're performance enhancing chemicals. You can't get anymore. Passion is sort of like you if you live, I were to give you more norepinephrine or more dopamine, you're actually gonna have schizophrenia or mania at that point. Like you can't, I can't crank it up anymore without pushing out of the spectrum of like normal performance into problems, right? Neurobiological problems. If I want to increase motivation more, you want purpose. That is the thing that you're passionate about. And then you say, okay, how do I use this thing to solve a great problem in the world? Now The reason you want purpose from a peak performance standpoint is purpose gives you additional feel-good performance enhancing neurochemistry that you can't get without other people in the equation. So there's a whole bunch of social mammals. So there are what are called pro-social neurochemicals. These are endorphins, for example. So this is when a mother bonds with her child, that really tight bond that's predominantly endorphins and oxytocin. We can get the same access to these kind of chemicals, right? So. We get more feel-good performance-enhancing neurochemistry with purpose. Once you have purpose, what does the system want? It wants autonomy, the freedom to pursue that purpose. And once you have autonomy, the system demands mastery, which is skills to pursue that purpose well. Those are the five major interest motivators. That's and that's the order they're meant to be cultivated. They're meant to go. You can cultivate them in other ways. You can certainly start with autonomy and then go to mastery and blah, blah. It's just that if you do it in this particular order, you just go farther, faster with a lot less plus. It's just easier.
0: So, is the answer to the question how our young listeners can become their own version of fill in the blank? person who we say has had a successful passion slash purpose-driven life, that they need to follow their curiosity, the intersection of several areas of interest that then become a passion, that then become a purpose, that then lead to mastery. Yes. Thanks for tuning in to this K Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of Tea for C. we